here's your host, Alex Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? I know I am. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, your host for this episode, and this podcast specifically focuses on topics that should be trending. Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. We wear that shoe proudly. All right, right off the bat here, thanks for joining us tonight. Right off the bat, I haven't been able to say this yet. Uh, all right, I forgot to. Um, by the way, I'm going to re-air an interview I uh, was on with David Caponetto. He does the Monday morning, Monday night morning show podcast. It's kind of an interesting name. Anyway, really quickly, Alex G in NYC.net. Alex G in NYC.net. A couple of things. This today marks the 21st year of rollerblading, so I cannot believe we're heading into year 22. Thank God for that. Um, but also, I forgot to mention, the Election Integrity Agency, do you remember this? Um, it's actually a federal government. Simply stated, there were no vote fraud changes, no changes in the voting. And... Uh, I'm going to read you what the Elections Infrastructure Government Coordinating Council and the Election Infrastructure Sector Coordinating Executive Committee said. The November 3rd election was the most secure in American history. Right now across the country, election officials are reviewing and double-checking the entire election process prior to finalizing the results. When states have close elections, many will recount ballots. All of the states with close results in the 2020 presidential race have paper records of each vote, allowing the ability to go back and count ballots if necessary. It's an added benefit for security and resilience. The process allows for identification and correction of any mistakes or errors. Here's what they say. There is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was any way compromised. Now, I do have an issue with some Democrats saying, I'll just move on, because yes, we all know that they didn't move on the last three and a half years from the Trump election. However, at the same time, if we can say that Russia did not sway one vote physically altering an election, that no vote was changed in 2016, it's the duty of the American public to recognize no vote was changed here in 2020. If one side, if this side is asking, if a side is asking us to understand that Russia didn't interfere in the election, like no vote was changed, then this idea that no vote was changed here in 2020 must be accepted as well. So I just want to get that off my chest because it's been bugging me because I, I think... If this agency is saying so, and Dominion is saying so, this voting company, I I still have faith that that's what the answer is. Call me too uh, square or too complacent with the government or whatever. This is what an agency said. And so litigation will go through, and it's almost done, I think. But if there's no evidence now, 
Come December 13th, I think this will all be decided, or earlier. And there will be an official president-elect, and it will not be Donald Trump. And I talked about that amongst a lot of other things with David Capitano, who had, thanks for having me on, David. And I want to replay that tonight with you on this very Alex Garrett podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dave Caponetto's Monday Night Morning Show. I'm your host, Dave Caponetto. I have a great guest tonight, um, one of New York Radio's premier producers, <laughs> a good guy. I know because I work for the same man he does, Alex Garrett. Alex, how you doing tonight? You know, I got to be honest. I've been wearing my Daniel Jones jersey. And by the way, thanks for having me, David. I, I follow this show's journey every day, and it seems like you're really growing this, so congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. I'm I'm in, and you're a New Jersey guy, and you probably like football like I do, and I'm very happy the Giants actually are in playoff contention at three and, uh, what, three and seven. So I've been wearing my Daniel Jones jersey all day, and, and I'd say you kept me, you're catching me at a good mood, because I'm very happy all day today that the Giants did that. So, uh, yeah, there, there's that going on, too. What does it say about the NFC East that, you know, with a record of three and seven, you, not only could you take the division, but you could make the playoffs. Yeah, and not only that, if Danny Jones could just do what he keeps doing the last couple of weeks, he could really become that prominent figure. People forget, you know, he actually led this team back from 0-2 to 2-2 two and two last year. Like, he won his first two games as a quarterback. So, right. I, I think looking back at that, um, everybody pressured him more because, you know, Eli's not there and he's the number one guy. And Danny's felt the pressure, but the last couple of weeks he seemed to have settled down. So we'll see what happens. I know the guy that we both have worked for is a huge Cowboy fan, and I bust his chops sometimes that, uh, you know, what's going on there uh, because it is kind of tragic. They lost Dak and then Dalton. It's just you, you can't make up what the Cowboys have gone through this year. Oh, I think it's a beautiful thing. I'm not a fan <laughs> of the Cowboys at all. I, you know. Really, you know, there's there's work, and then there's there's guy stuff, there's personal life stuff, and there's no love in my house for uh, Dallas or Philadelphia. You know, I'm a I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so much like yourself oh my today, gosh. I had a great day. I had a no, you've had a great few weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because two has been killing it, so we'll see. Yeah, defense has been uh, showing up, and uh, you know, special teams. I don't know, a couple of, uh, how would you say, brain farts against the Chargers, but we managed to pull out a win, and, you know, the next three next three games are going to be interesting. I think that we have a chance to win all three, starting with next Sunday with the Broncos, you know. So, Alex. I'm here. You, you produced for Kevin McCullough on 970 AM in the city, in the number one radio market in America. You know, now, I, you know, you've got an and you should be proud of it. Uh, the stuff that I looked up about you that I didn't know, I was like, wow. You know, the stuff you did in college, the fact that you interned with Curtis Sliwa, you know, I, I, I would bow in reverence for that. I think that's fantastic that you did that. And you've been well, with Curtis, Kevin since when? Well, so Curtis got me in the door at AM 970, The Answer. Uh, right. And I'll get to Kevin in a second, but the Curtis story is just – it's fun to tell it, if you don't mind. I, I, I would love to nope. share that with you. Um, Please. I roll a blade around the city, and I have seen Curtis often all over the place. Happened to see him a week that I was graduating Queens College. 
And that week was Memorial Day. You know, Memorial Day. And at the Little Neck Douglaston Parade, I rolled up the Curtis sleeve. I said, I'm going to do this. I said, listen, Curtis, you know, I've been following your career. We run into each other. I'm graduating Queens College this week. Is there any help that I can give you after college in the radio world? And, you know, how, how can I help you is pretty much how I phrased it. Gives me Frank Morano's contact info, the producer at the time. I get an internship yeah. with Curtis and the Gov, the evening show. <laughs> For those who don't remember or remember, he uh, Curtis did two shows that 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 you know that whole time, the morning show and then the evening show with the Gov at five o'clock. Right. Well, I decided to mosey on into the internship, and then you know they say, "Okay, you can go home or whatever." But I was so curious about the production of the show, I was like, "No, I'm going to stick around and see what the show's like." Ended up being a news giver. At that point, even as the internship was going on, hey, this is breaking. Hey, this is breaking. Afternoon board up does leave the job, leave the post. And I felt like I was literally in the bullpen, you know, meant to be there, w awaiting that. And they hired me. And that's how I started it, Salem, New York, at AM 970 The Answer and, and then WMCA. So um, if it wasn't for Curtis and the Gov, that wouldn't have gotten my foot in the door. Well, Curtis and Frank, I should say, and then the Gov wouldn't have gotten put in my door. And then if it wasn't for Kevin, I, I don't know what the future held because I don't know if you remember, but there was so much uh, tossing and turning at the drive time slot. Like we, we didn't know who was going to be the five o'clock person for a while. Right. So I started someone, a colleague of mine said, you want to help Kevin? I said, yeah, why not? And so we grew that connection and we've had uh, one presidential election in 16 and then another one this year and we've been just working working away at trying to get people the best info the best news out there it's really been um fascinating and the most fascinating thing to me this year is that how radio truly never stopped during the pandemic i think being able to do this um you know i'm high risk so i really wasn't able to be in the studio during that big spike in march to you know i didn't want to be i was a little nervous so I able I was able to plug into the studio from home and do the work from home. And that was really so telling how a kid, at, you know, me listening to even WABC in 06 when I was about 14, 15, to now being able to run a radio show from my own home. David, that really, uh, that excited me. Like, that was fun. And it just showed that, you know, we could keep this going no matter where we were. Right. Right. Well, I listened to Kevin almost every single day i think what's best about him is he's real he's concise you know there's there's no fat on on kevin's reporting it's just you get exactly what he wants you to know and it's the truth i appreciate that and he's very direct you know? with the listener you know he's just very yeah. he can he can pull the listener in and he just he does, and he has these tweets that are just – he's launching himself on Twitter too. So it's like he's firing on all cylinders right now. So we'll have to see how the national show keeps going, but he's 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 rocking it right now. You know, there's there's nothing extra. There's no hyperbole. There's no dramatics. You know, there's no over-the-top proclamations. Uh, he's very straightforward with, you know, this is, this is what I'm delivering today, and here are the, the meat and potatoes, the facts of it to back up what I'm telling you so that you know, you know, this is, there's no room to wiggle with this. 
because he, he will talk about things that, that aren't, I should Mad- say, grounded, grounded, you know, matter, matter number one, but also grounded in truth. You agree with that? I, I do agree. Now, the other thing about personally is that oftentimes I would always be running around, you know, trying to get to work. And so I was doing my best to book people. But when I was home, I was able to hone into like who we really needed every day. And the thing that I've tried to do since this work from home is translate that into the studio. And I think we've had some of the biggest people and I've been able to help Kevin get those people. And it just, it, it's been amazing the response we're getting at Kevin McCullough radio to come on and be with nice. us. It's, just, it's, it's right. very, um, it just felt like an overnight thing. I think partly cause I changed my routine up. I said, okay, yes, I like to hear from Kevin what he wants, but I'm going to also do more to get him who he wants, you know? And I think that's, been building up every every day who do you think has been your 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 best get so oh. far for a get let's put it so the first week we got uh, the first week she took the press secretary job we actually got kaylee McEnany on that first week i mean that was such a cool thing to have because remember she was a daily a weekly contributor in the harvard law school days then the rnc days then of course when press secretary happened she she wasn't as available, but she did make herself available to us a couple times, and together the first week she was named was pretty special. Obviously, Kevin's on these remotes, and we had Don Jr. at a live remote. I'm sure you heard that one. I mean, that was a fun couple of, you know hour of radio right there. So yeah, that was great radio. Because you know Don Jr. for whatever people may think, he's he's got a humor about him and, and a way to word things that uh, you don't hear from many people. Uh, in in well in, in the first family that's for sure you know in a traditional first family but also in general you don't hear yeah. kind of his his views on things delivered quite like he does it so that was interesting to hear for for him to be on Kevin's show right not not your usual buttoned up politician type no and I know that's why you know that's why Trump was elected the first time because let's face it and I said on my own stuff I said. This generation needs to wake up, and I think Trump ended up waking up everybody, even those against him, obviously. But those for him, he woke those people. He woke the conservative, the young conservatives, up. Because look, when when all these people, when when Biden and Trump graduate out of politics, who's going to be there? You have to have the youngins there, right? You got to get a guy like Madison Cawthorn, who's twenty four, and he's a congressional representative. We need more of that, David. And I think he inspired people to come out of the woodwork and be that runner, uh, be running for office at a younger age, which is great to see. Now, who is this young man? Madison Cawthorn. I recommend your listeners look him up. He's actually, he was in a car crash, I believe, that paralyzed him. But he ended up running and he won his congressional district. And he was actually at the RNC and the moment everybody talked about was when he stood up out of his chair and said, I, I'm an American, and he stands, you know, he stands for the pledge and all that other, and the national right. anthem. And when he did right. that, of course, liberal Twitter went off off unhinged, which is like so bizarre because you think someone who is, let's call it for a way, disabled, even though I don't think, I don't always view people as, I think they're differently abled, right? That's kind of how I come at things. But no, right. he's disabled. And typically, the, lib- the, the, the liberal Democrats like to say, look what we're doing for the disabled people. 
unless you disagree with them. Then they don't want to do anything for you. That's just how it seems sometimes. And clearly, when Matt and Catherine had that moment, uh, it set off <laughs> some liberals. And they was like, why? What's so wrong with that? Uh, makes I you think scratch your anything, head. Because I think I'm going to answer that for you. And this is just my opinion. Um, but, you know, being on Twitter, being on Facebook, a very sad, depressing um, What's the word I'm looking for? I wish I, I could think of this word. It's a great word to describe. The fact that people would view that in an ill light, to me, it's like, oh, well, he's glorifying America or respecting America or looking up to America or having pride in America, and we just can't have any of that, you know, because we're, we're, we've been on this, this tour since we were you know, since we had Obama president, that we have to put our head down and apologize to the whole planet, you know, for being America, you know. Mm. Now, I'm no fool, Alex. Sure. I'm no fool at all. And I know the evil that we have done around this globe, you know, since we became America. Some things we do aren't so good. A lot of things we do are, are better. And that's what I want to focus on, uh, and I'm but glad that, and that we don't do some of the screws that we used to. And that's you know? the issue is that but, these people, these, these kids are getting taught in schools to learn about the bad stuff. It's like I right. I don't agree. I, I don't think that's the way to go. Um, partly because, you know, what's happened is as a result of the, I believe, the silencing of the other side on campus. There is no doubt you can't. That's not fake news. That's real news. That's happened. There has been silencing of the other side. I mean, Prager can't go talk. Yes. Shapiro can't go talk. And so why? Because they don't want you on the campus. But what has happened is that's led to people just maybe joining Antifa and, and tearing up businesses. I mean, this is what the non-celebration of America has led to. And that's the, that's, that is the sad part to me, is that there's not been one cent to any of these people on the other side who... You know, the radical side, I'm not saying the moderates, I'm saying the people that loot and, and burn down. No one's told them, you know, you're really killing your fellow citizens' business here. And they, they, if they were told that, maybe they would change. I don't know. But no one's educating them how to, on what the damage is doing. Um, and then, in fact, they end up laughing at the business owner that had their business burned down. It's sickening, really. I mean, I, I have a question for you. Yeah. If you want to finish that point, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, the idea of, well, we can rebuild it or they'll have insurance to cover it. That's not the point. The point is you just ruined generations of a family business for what exactly? For what? It doesn't it, – it, it never calculates in my brain why they feel that's, that's more back important. The, we're getting back at the man because the man's holding us down. Isn't that why they do that? That's what they like to think, but it comes off as, um, you know, as evil, really. And it comes off, and it does make those who don't want to criticize it. I mean, look, whatever you think of Trump, he has, and I've seen it on television, he's condemned white supremacy. But I've not seen, I have not seen any of these politicians say, yeah, we condemn Antifa. I mean, all I hear is, what is Antifa? Or it's an idea, not an organization. It's just like all a mess. That I I'm 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 not so much disappointed in the young men in Antifa or Antifa that are running around being idiots. 
I'm more disappointed in the parents because their parents knew better. And this is the, the garbage that they're raising right now. But you know what's even more disappointing? And this is a, a point I wanted to bring up with you and get your take on it. You know, I'm 50, so I've seen a lot of elections in my life. And one of the disheartening, Alex, that's the word I was looking for before. One of the most disheartening parts of this election for me is not so much that President Trump lost, is, is that the other side of this country said, you know what, we know that he's done nothing for nobody for 47, 48 years. We know he's a racist. We know he's a liar. We know he's a grifter. We know basically what we're trying to say is that he's a piece of garbage. But we're still going to vote for him because we don't like the orange guy because he said he says crass things. And my point on that to expand that even further is, hey, Democrats and liberals and progressives and, and the whole left, you, you, you maniacs, that's the best you could put up with Joe Biden? You don't have any fresh meat in your organization, you know, to straight out their collar and give them a pat on the ass and send them up on stage? No, you truck out Joe Biden? This was the, the first election years- I never... I, I don't know what the next four years are going to bring. I just know it was a very shaky election day because I just... I will say I wish Trump did things differently this pandemic. I have to say that. I do wish he acknowledged that, yes, we went down a bad path with this virus. Instead, he kept saying everything was okay, and that's good to a point, but you have to also bring action. And I also think Pfizer seemed to have hid this thing against him, you know, to make it everything look good after Biden. It's so messed up that happened. Because I was wondering, remember he kept saying, where's the October vaccine? He kept saying we're going to have a vaccine in October. And it seemed like maybe politically we didn't have that vaccine in October. But it just, there are a lot of deaths. And I just felt very, I wish he was just up front with the American people and said, look, we're going to get through this. But he never did. And that was really the downfall, I think, for a lot of people in this country. Uh, He's not warm and fuzzy. See, President Trump is a guy from Queens. He's not warm and fuzzy. Joe Biden, he's so slick. That if he walked by you in the hallway, you'd feel icky, like a, a dirty old man just touched you. You know what I mean? Well, no, I, I get that too. And I don't know what, I, I just don't know what the next four years. But my point was on election day, I felt very unconfident with either. It, it You may not like the others, but I felt very unconfident with either candidate. And I never felt that way. I've never felt so unsure of an election in my life. Like, I just don't know what's going to happen next. I, you know. Because here, if Trump was reelected, they were still going to find a way to get him out, and I ju- I just didn't know. I there's, and I don't know what the second term would have brought, but we just have. I say God is putting these. I would say God puts people in charge, and you know what? Maybe then day it'll be Trump again because we don't know what these litigations going to do, and I think people are ruling that out too quickly. If you ask me, I agree. I'm, I agree, but but then again, and like you can't even say I want. You can't even say I want litigation because they'll jump on you for that. It's like, but you also said you didn't want him in because of Russian interference. Now you're saying we have to move on. Like I don't know. It's just it is kind of hypocritical. Now the numbers is true. The numbers is overwhelming. That's true. The hypocrisy on the left is is it just sucks the air out of the room. The, the, the gall that they have, they, they look you right in the eye and lie. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Mm. 
But I really, I didn't want, I don't know how we steered, steered into, so, you know what, let me steer us out of politics. Well, one more thing on and that, the reason though, I just, I, because they're, they, they now are scaring you out of going out because, oh, you have to be out of the city or whatever by 10 p.m. Like, all along the way, they've just, the leadership here in New York kept saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. And people are not doing it, and it's going to kill even more business. And um, I, I don't like being told what to do. Let's put it that way. I think, I think the, the two greatest evils that we're dealing with right now are Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio. And you're Governor Murphy. I, I, I mean, that's just tough. Yeah, well, I think the people that voted for Cuomo and de Blasio should be ashamed of themselves. And it, you know what? If any of my listeners voted for Cuomo or de Blasio, shame on you. Look at how they're treating us. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. It really is. Alex, let's get off of politics. Sure, sure. You started your career uh, doing a lot of sports broadcasting, even play-by-play broadcasting. And my, I, I had a question that I wanted to ask you. Back in college, was there a specific broadcaster that you looked at, that you listened to, and you were like, I, I, I want to do that. I want to be that guy. Well, I'll tell you, I had a very special connection with Bob Wolf. I'm not. I'm sure the name rings a bell to many of you and your yep. listeners. He called Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. <laughs> and by the way, up until his passing a couple of years ago, I would call him on that day and say, you know, Mr. Wolf, this is the uh, anniversary. I'm like, oh, thanks for calling on the day. And he, uh, he just always had the kindest things, and he taught. Like, he told me in 2006, he gave me the opportunity to be mentored by him. And uh, every Saturday, I would call him up, and he'd be like, yeah, this is what you have to do for this. This is what you have to do for this. Every sport, live reads, sports reports even. Like, I had gotten all this knowledge from a Hall of Fame broadcaster, and I'm very thankful to this day. So... He was someone I I looked up to. And then, of course, I ended up doing public address announcing for all the teams at Queens College. And thanks to Queens for that opportunity. No matter where I am, I always say thanks to them because they helped get this career going, you know? And um, right. when Bob Shepard passed away, you know, the legendary public address announcer for the Yankees, I didn't know yes. this, but he was born on my uh, on the same day on October 20th, which happens to be the day I was born. So I always wondered if there was like this godly synchronicity between Shepard announcing and then me doing it at Queens College. It just felt very interesting and, and connected. Did you enjoy your time at Queens College? I really did. I mean, I enjoyed... Um, there were times where I would feel like I was um, too much involved, I guess you'd say, or I was trying to fit in a little too much sometimes. Um, but mostly I enjoyed the announcing. I did enjoy meeting a lot of people at the fitness center I worked at. I enjoyed the classes. I mean, I still came in touch with some of the professors and some of the students, you know, some of my classmates. But I just loved it. Um, and I loved every Monday, every Thursday going downstairs to the student union to do radio there. I was blessed with the opportunity to interview Howie Rose on the radio station there. And I was blessed to do play-by-play. So... Just very uh, thankful for my time, and I did enjoy it. I mean, that's why I started to want to give back more and contribute more to what they're up to. Because, you know, colleges are hard hit. We're forgetting this, but colleges, even without students on campus, I think they're getting hard hit. 
you know, because of this pandemic. And so I like to think I'm, I, I'd like to help them get back some of the funding because it's uh, it's not good in, in the college world right now. How do you see college radio and professional radio, what you guys are doing down in, in, in the city, how do you see that playing out post-COVID? Because I don't think you're going to see, before I, I, I apologize for cutting you up before you even got to answer, I just want to add, I, I think that what a lot of people have found, and, you know, I had an interview with Jimmy Fink, the great Jimmy Fink, and he made this point. People are realizing that they can do, like you said, run a radio station from their home with a microphone, you know, a set of cans and a laptop. So do you think there's going to be physical radio stations with studios still? You have to. I mean, I think here's the reason why everybody still has to keep their station open is because no matter how many people are remote, someone's still got to engineer it out into the into the universe, you know, so you got to have that human behind the board doing the engineering through the mothership station, if you will. Uh, and so there'll always be a live radio station. There'll always be people going into work and that's why radio is considered essential, you know, and that is why as soon as I felt it was safe, I want to get back in there. I really did, <laughs> but it is why, um, live radio will always need someone behind the board. That just, you can't, connect wires to a home to try and run a show. No, it's got to be home base. And so you'll always have live radio. And I got to commend, speaking of colleges, um, Hofstra's radio program. You know, the Islanders are, are their mainstay every year uh, on WHRU, I believe. I'm sorry if I butchered that one. But yeah, the, every year, the Chris King and Greg, Pep, uh, Greg Picker call the games. But they were able to put together that broadcast. Remember now, they weren't able to allow them in the arenas. So all these teams literally had to be in a studio calling the game off a screen and piping in the crowd right. noise from Canada or wherever they were. Right. Yankee Stadium, they had to pump in the noise from the stadium. They even had an idea right. where you could do the, the um, fan app and you could cheer your own way. And then So all these teams had to adapt. And so kudos to them for being able to do it from their own home or studio. So yes, studio space will always be needed. Where I'm worried about is not so much that, it's about all the other workplaces that don't need people there, but yet somehow they have to bring them back. You know, I'm sorry to go off a tangent here, but JP Morgan actually ended up saying, yeah, you guys got to come back in. We want you back in. Of course, that kind of stopped when they had a COVID positive, but I admire companies that say, yes, you can come in again. Do you know, David, um, I researched this, Monster.com had a survey. <laughs> there was a, what, 69%, there, there's a burnout rate working from home. People want to have that interaction. So let's not write off going to the office again. Let's keep it going because that's, people need that one-to-one -one interaction. That's a whole different conversation. You know, I mean, I've heard people... Uh, that are working from home in, in, in uh, corporate America, white collar jobs that are, they're burnt out. They're telling me they're burnt out because, you know, from 9 a.m., sometimes until 9 or 10 p.m., you know, their computer keeps binging and, and dinging and their the requests keep coming in for, you know, can you get this done by tomorrow morning? Can you tighten this up? Can you whatever? Um, 
which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, there's, you know, that's another, it's another uh, part of the COVID dichotomy that, that, you know, we could explore. But we're running out of and I, time. Well, and I, hope I, I, like, que- I hope I answered your question on that because I really do believe the radio space is still needed even through COVID. That's kind of my main point on that. Yeah, actually, I agree with you. Sorry that I didn't say that. Yeah, I agree with you on that point. Um, well, obviously, like you said, somebody still has to do the engineering to get it out, you know, through the magical ether of the radio airwaves. <laughs> hey, Alex, tell my listeners about your podcast and how they can find you. Well, I'm going to ask you permission on this, and you can delete it if you want, but uh, I'm going to ask you permission. Can you... Can I play this on my podcast? Because I love the conversation we had, and I'd love to feature you on mine. It's called the Alex Garrett po- Alex Garrett Podcasting, Alex G A R R E T T Podcasting, and I try and focus on things that should be trending but aren't. I don't know where that came from or that wording came from. It's just something I wrote in one of my bios, and it just stuck with me. And I think there's right. a lot of stuff that gets buried that shouldn't be buried. Um, so I'm working on it. I'm working on expanding the content. I did go politics for the last few years because I realized our generation, it doesn't realize how our tax dollars are being spent. But being at 970, I was able to see that at age 21. And I said, man, someone's got to speak up about this because our own tax dollars go into this, that, and the other. And I don't like that. You shouldn't either. That was kind of what right. I was. But now I'm trying to just be more diverse do a little sports do a little adapting that's my other brand adapting with alex garrett because i uh i've been able to rollerblade um with the support and love of my family and friends i've been encouraged to rollerblade around new york city on one leg that's just what it was that's what it is and what i feel is that people have a tough time adapting even to working from home but they also have a tough time adapting if they become like an amputee or if they become disabled or become something that's not normal to the average human being. So I'm saying let's stop being afraid of that and let's embrace the adaptations. And so you can find all of that at alexginnyc.net. That's alexginnyc.net. Excellent. You're also on Twitter and Facebook. I am with that same Alex G in NYC. You know, David, as you do the Monday night morning show, which I love the name of that, but you have to be consistent with what your brand is on all these things, right? So you can't have one username here and one username here. You've got to have the same username all over the place. Right, right. I understand that. I'm working on uh, rebranding. The only thing left to do, and it's funny because I'm going to be down in the city this weekend with somebody uh, working on the, the logo for the Facebook page. And then I think I'll have everything changed over because I did the Twitter already. Um, it's really hard to change a Facebook page, a group page. So I'm, I'm going to have to start a new one and just tell everybody, hey, jump over. This is the correct page, you know? Well, I can run you through that. I mean, it's kind of, I, I was able to change my page. Like my main Facebook page has gone numerous name changes, actually. So I've been able to do that. Okay, well, we <laughs> All right. I appreciate that, and I welcome that. You have no idea, but we'll talk about that off air, okay? Oh, absolutely. I just want to extend the invitation to you. I appreciate it. Alex, thank you for joining me tonight. And everybody that 
you know, took the time to download this episode and listen to it. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. If you want to, you can find me on Twitter at Dave Capitano's Monday Night Morning Show. On Facebook, we have a page, Dave Capitano's Monday Night Morning Show. Although right now, I believe it's still called The Monday Night Morning Show. So there's that thing about branding. Um, Gmail, The Monday Night Morning Show. If you want to drop us a line and tell us we're great or tell us we suck. And we appreciate you for listening. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. All right, uh, David. Yes, we will see you next time. And we will see you, the listener, next time as well. AlexGNYC.net. And, of course, look up David Caponetto. You can find him again at MN Morning Show. MN Morning Show. That's David Caponetto's Monday Night Morning Show. Thanks again, David, for having me. And uh, glad we were able to simulcast this, as a matter of fact. Talk to you soon.